Otra, again, yo, you know what, David, you want to fuck with me, right? Do it. Uh, do what? The, I'm Indio from the Bronx. You I'm living in Manhattan right now. I live in the building. Podcast? I was set up, bro. Right. I live in the building that is infected with crackheads, dolphin, and all about. I even peeled head. It's true. I've been there. It, and this Davis right here used to be one of my old customers. And right now, his is is life is straight, and I hope he stays that way. Dopey Nation. Stay Ooh, strong. Stay strong. Dopey. Deuce. Toodles. 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 Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? This is the Firecracker, straight from Atlanta, Georgia. This is a little verse I put together for the Dopey Nation. I kept it short for Dave. Yo, man, this don't matter if you sober or you high. As long as you're in that, in that fight, man. We all feel you. We know where you've been. We've been there. We are there. We love you. Yeah, a little verse. You know what I'm saying? For the Dopey. Stay strong. Uh, yo. 16 right here. Yo. Huh. This is the firecracker. I'm reporting to you live Doesn't matter if you're sober or just sorta getting high This a message filled with hope and patience I hope you make it, being sober is amazing Shout out to the dopey nation Can't give out my whole location Hashtag anonymous, I'm in the depths of 12 steps Searching for the promises Tomorrow is a vision, why is it so blurry? I'ma find my way home, mama don't worry To the ones still lost, please take this as a warning Got sober so I'm dry, but outside it's still storming Every relapse from a weed sack, I'm stepping like my knee steps Pray that I get this, I forget this, I don't need that I see that, I need to say goodbye to my party days Mostly fun and partly pain, word up to Artie Lang Stay strong Dave, keep carrying the message From New York to Georgia, you are such a fucking blessing Can't forget Chris when I scribble down these doodles We miss you homie, R.I.P. Fucking toodles Yeah, firecracker, you know what I mean? A little bit of dope, yeah Dopey Nation, uh, uh, yeah Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, recovery, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And today's a very exciting day uh, in the history of Dopey because my beautiful, uh, what do you call yourself? Partner. My beautiful partner, Linda, has decided to come on the podcast. So say hello. Hello. How are you, Lynn? I'm good. I'm a little nervous. What are you nervous about? This is This is... <laughs> What's different about this than 20 minutes ago? Well, we're talking to a microphone. You can ignore the microphone. <laughs> as you move it closer. As I, as I as nudge it closer <laughs> to you. Now, Linda has been um, somebody who has lived with uh, Dopey without being too engaged with Dopey. She's hated Dopey. She's loved Dopey. She's been impressed with Dopey, annoyed with Dopey. And here you are on the show. So what do you think about all that? Hoi. Well... I really respect what Dopey is, but it's where Dopey came from came from a place that was really hard. 
Well, yeah, you want to jump right into that that <laughs> section. I the the section I want to jump into is it was three years ago in January, and Linda and I had just reconciled to get back together, but I hadn't told her that I was doing this podcast with Chris, and uh, we were in this diner and um, having a nice time, and like something good had happened with Dopey. Like I think we had like fifty downloads or something. Mm. Something had happened, and I was like all excited. I think I snooped on your phone. It's probably what happened. But what do you think you snooped? I, well, I snoop on I snoop on his phone sometimes because you know trust is always a a thing, and. Um, I think I saw when I looked at his phone when he was in the bathroom something about some sort of dopey podcast, and I had not, no idea about it. So when he came back from the bathroom, I said, well, what's dopey? And, uh, and then here we are. <laughs> no, and she freaked out. Do you remember? You got very upset because... Well, well I did because, because I, I, you know, Dave was talking about me and um, our story and our life on a podcast. And podcasts are still kind of new in a way. So I didn't really even know exactly what a podcast was. And he, you know, there weren't a lot of people involved in it at that point. Well, him and Chris, and then not a ton of listeners. But now there were like, there were like no listeners. Were like, so, but it still, it still felt a bit, um, you know, revealing. And I didn't know what to make of it. So I got upset and I said, take it down. And then I called up Chris, and I said, take it down. And Chris was like, really? Do I have to take it down? And I was like, you have to take it down. I was like, just take it down. Take it down. And, uh, and Chris took it down. And then I don't remember why you changed your mind about it. Dopey was done. Linda had eff- effectively ended Dopey. <laughs> you had ended it. Well, I don't think I ever really changed my mind. I think I, I, those, those beginning episodes were about you know, our story. And um, I don't think I felt comfortable with them being shared until kind of recently. Because yeah, I'm re-releasing them now. Well, I don't know <laughs> how much of a choice I have, but you know, I'm okay with it now because now Dopey's a whole different thing. But I think at the time you had, you had seen the potential in Dopey more than I had when, um, when you had you know, conceded to letting us do it. Mm-hmm. You were like, I think um, it could be helpful to somebody. And, yes. and, um, and I think that you're giving a, a voice to it. I just don't. And you said, I just don't want you to tell your stories. Right. And then like. For like ten episodes, I told stories about like when me and Dave Kennedy snuck into the Knicks game and stories like that that just weren't about like risky business. Mm-hmm. And then probably at episode twenty three, I was like, I have to just tell the stories. So I started telling the stories. Well, you know, and also because I know that you want the podcast to be like really fun, and that time <laughs> wasn't fun for me. So that was always the big conflict too. Was like I. Kn- but they, but you're also very good at telling the stories in a funny, fun way. But you know, for me, it was it was a really horrible time. Um, but the dopey. Looking wasn't- back now, I can we can I don't know some things I still can't laugh at. But there's definitely other things that I can look back now and say that was so crazy, and we can kind of laugh at it. But it took a you know that's it's taken some time, and that was still pretty fresh. But Dopey was certain. Well, the relapse was fresh, and like there was a lot of pain and crazy shit. Um, but the show wasn't about um, 
I'm looking at the microphone configuration. I got lost for a second. The fun, the show wasn't about like the shit that had happened like with us, but I. But did, it came from that. How do you figure? Well, that was a part. I mean, you dopey. Not nothing exists without what's happened before it. So if that didn't happen between us and with our daughter and with you know all of that, dopey might not. Dopey wouldn't exist. You wouldn't be doing a podcast called Dopey if that whole shit didn't go down with me and you and, and our child. You'd probably still be using. Who knows? Maybe you'd be dead. Who knows where you would be at today? So that really did lead up until to, to even the podcast being here. I feel like our experience and our history is, is part of why this podcast exists. So I feel like it affects me more seriously than maybe... It affects you. I don't know. What do you mean? Why does it, how does it affect me? You more than it affects you, me. You can you use humor a lot with it, and I still didn't feel ready to find humor in our. I don't know. I guess what's what's a war story, right? Like you tell these war stories, and it's it's helpful for people, and they come and they call in and tell funny stories. But I couldn't find the humor, so it was hard for me to be okay with having that story shared on this podcast. First of all, you guys need to know. I'm sure some of you know this, but um, you need to know that Linda and I met through uh, Todd, who uh, died, um, when did he die? Three three months ago. Three months ago this week. And uh, I had met Todd in Ithaca, and... uh, I met Todd in Oswego. Todd had gotten kicked out of Ithaca, and he had to transfer to Oswego. That's where I went to school. And he met Linda. Yes. And Linda and Todd were very fast friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very fast friends, very good friends, but, like, crazy friends. Todd was the biggest partier and so much fun to be with <clears throat> and very quickly swept you up into his uh, his world. And, um, well, I actually introduced Todd. It's actually, I hate even talking about it, but I actually introduced Todd to hard drugs. Here we go. Um, Dopey exclusive. Yeah. No, but it's, you know, well, anyway, so he was a big, you know, very big pothead and, and, you know, we all drank a lot, but I kind of liked Coke and um, there was a lot of it in Oswego for some reason. And um, so we, I was also very into fish at the time and Todd was very into fish and we wound up going to a big fish festival and I brought some Coke with me and I... I'll never forget, we were sitting in the tent, and I gave Todd a little bit, and he took, you know, a bump. And uh, I, re- I remember his face changing and, like, a light in his eyes, and he just looked at me, and he, I just saw he that, liked it. I saw that he just fell in love with that feeling, and he, like, jumped out of the tent and just started, like, running around the festival. And I don't think I saw him again until he came back wanting more coke. Right. And, um... From that point forward, Todd and I, when we went back to college, we started to do just tons of Coke. And for me, it was just, you know, doing it and then, you know, feeling guilty the next day and, 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 you know, but then wanting it the following weekend. But for Todd, it took on a whole different, you know, thing where he 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 started selling it. We'd go, he'd want to go on like road trips to buy tons of it. He'd drive up to Syracuse. I mean, he just, it became everything to him. And then it just never stopped, you know. And then when eventually he moved to Manhattan and I was living in Manhattan around the time 
You live in Queens. I lived in Queens. Um, That was like all he wanted to do. We we used to have a joke when we'd all go, we'd go out for drinks about like how long it would take for us to say like, let's call, you know, the guy. And I think we usually would get like two beers in where one of us would be like, all right, you know, and, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, I don't think I ever, I lived with Todd. And so obviously there was some sober time, but I don't think I ever later in life hung out with him without doing Coke. Or drinking. Or, or drinking. Because or in the end. Smoking weed. And I loved him, but I mean, how much of a great friendship is that when you're always, you know, getting fucked up? I, got, I was sober with Todd because we would go to detox together or we'd run out of drugs together. Yeah. But like Todd didn't like to not have drugs. Um, and what was I going to say? So that's how we met is that when we all wound up convening in, in Manhattan later, years later. No, 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 oh, okay. How we met, uh, Todd was living in my apartment, and um, Todd was living on my floor. You know, I had just broken up with this girlfriend, and I was depressed, and Todd, and Todd decided to move in, and I was like, that's cool if you bring the drugs. And he decided he was going to sleep in the kitchen under the table, but he never did. He always slept on the living on the in the floor of the studio, <laughs> and uh, and one night Linda and her friend Carrie uh, came to see Todd, and and Linda was just so beautiful. We were like twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. I was just like holy shit, and somehow uh, I managed to sweep Linda off her feet, and we made out <laughs> that night, and a little bit more, but we mostly just made out. And, um, well, Dave was trying to impress me with his vinyl collection. I had a really good record it all collection. Like, it was all like jazz records that you had ready ready to go if a girl ever came over. It worked out. <laughs> it, totally, it totally worked out. Um, but um, no, I had good records. I had other records besides jazz records. No, I had good reggae okay, records. Well, I, and remember good the, rock and, I remember the, well, I the went John to, Coltrane I, being I, played a lot. I think I don't think so. I was never a big John Coltrane person. Mm-hmm. But I was, I, you know, you thought I was very... Like, uh, what did you think? I, d- I definitely didn't think you were a, a, an addict, you know, like involved in what you were involved in. I don't think we were at that you point. You weren't at that point? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm sure I was doing lots of coke, but that was just... We didn't do coke that night, though. Me and Todd probably did. Well, I don't, I don't know. But um, what did I think? I thought you were... I thought you were very cool. You know, you... you um, I thought you were... You were very... And you were... And you were pretty quiet i doubt it which you're not you know you're not anymore i don't know i don't think i don't know what happened to that but you you didn't talk a lot and you stared at me a lot you you stared at me a lot you just kind of sat quietly like just looking at everything and taking every i thought you were different than than you are quite frankly (laughs) what did you think i was I just thought you were more like introspective and and quiet i'm very very introspective and and more of a, a little more of an introvert like you were quiet I thought you were a little bit shy. I don't think you have a... I think you're confusing me with, with some other Jewish really, guy I you might have met. I think I was met. really drunk and, and doing coke, so right. I don't really know. Right. And you were, you were pretty... Um, you were, and you, but you were a little aggressive in the, in the... You know, with me, as far as, like, hooking up. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? Anyway. Um, I liked you. That's good. Yeah. And, um, and then she left, and, uh, and, and I, I just didn't think we'd ever see each other again. I didn't pursue it. You lived in Long Island, and I lived in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then I always would ask Todd about her, 
because she was very, very, very beautiful. And I'd be like, what's up with Linda? What's up with Linda? And he'd be like, I don't know. And then me and Todd became heroin addicts, you know, and I didn't right. ask anymore. You didn't care anymore. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we all That's went so our sad, separate ways. Right? And 20, well, it all worked out the way it worked out. Right. And 13 years later, my mother had just died. Right. And I was trying to get... After you had been with someone else for quite a long time. Yeah, I'd been with somebody else for a long time. And uh, my mother had just died. And you I was lived with, out west. I had lived in California. <laughs> and I come back and, um, and Todd said, oh, do you want to go out with Linda or something, right? We were all going to go out to something. We went to some terrible show. And I walked in there and there was Linda at the bar. And um, very beautiful still, 13 years later. And um, I was very aggressive again. Yeah, you really... That's, that's been a theme in this relationship. I kind of don't want to talk about this on the show. <laughs> but we wound up... We wound You're up, asking the questions. We wound up doing coke. And, and what if your mother <laughs> that's listens? Another, that's another what if, theme. What if your mother listens to this? I don't think she will. Why not? She, li- she listens to the show. I don't, I don't know. How could you live with that? Um, I think everything turned out all right. Right. Um, so we wound up dating, and Linda also had a, a prescription for, uh, what was it, Ativan? Ativan. And, like, we did coke that night, and then we went back to her house, and, um, and she was like, don't, she, I don't think she real. I, I told her what a drug addict I was. Well, this was back in the day when you could just get, like, whatever you want. You know, and I remember I had a psychiatrist because I was taking. But you could still get whatever you want. Who, me? Yeah. Lina. But what I mean is, my point was, I had told you my whole story about, like, that I had been a heroin addict and, you know. Right, but like, I didn't understand that Ativan was also something you were very, you'd be very excited about. I didn't know all of that. I didn't know either. I'd never had Ativan. But I was like, I need to, if we're doing coke, I need to have benzos or something. So, like, my dad's going to listen to this, too, by the way. Well, my dad's definitely going to listen to this. All right, this. well. I'm not. If I'm not upset about it, then I don't know why you are. I'm just letting you I mean, know. Don't you think that there's much worse stories out there that you've told about yourself? And you're worried about this one. That's you're true. worried about doing like a little coke and taking an Ativan. Okay. Um, are you worried for me? Like I was, about my yeah. my perfect image. Yeah. Being, I was uh, worried about your your perfect <laughs> I really image. I don't care. Anyway, so I had a psychiatrist. I was t- I was getting an antidepressant and. He was giving me the strongest doses of Ativan. Like, every time I'd go, he'd give me, like, I mean, I didn't really even have, I did not have a need for that. But every time I went, he'd just give me, so I had tons of it, is the point. And so Dave quickly realized that I was, like, this, you know, Ativan dispenser. Even though he liked me, I do, I'm sure that the fact that I had, you know, bottles of Ativan um, made coming to my apartment that much more enticing. It was. It was good to have a... Well, it was like, because I didn't have pills. And I didn't know that Dave had a issue with heroin. Like, I didn't understand the magnitude of his drug problem, or else I wouldn't have, you know, shared that, or, or I don't know. Shouldn't do it anyway, but... You had, you had, I told you about uh, me hindsight. as a heroin addict, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, we were naive to the, to the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, and I wasn't doing heroin when we got together. Well, the, but um, you were, though. No, I wasn't. Do you remember how we realized that you had used? Yes. Really? <laughs> Would you like to share that story? You could tell the story if you want. So Dave said that he wasn't using heroin anymore, and uh, I believed him because, you know, stupid. And um, 
but he was because he was still hanging out with Todd all the time, and I know how Todd is with me with you know drugs, so I now you know could only imagine. And so Dave came over one night, and we were again. Dave was being very aggressive, <laughs> and we were being intimate, and he couldn't perform, which is incredibly unlike him. And um, well, I could perform, I just couldn't come. He, right. And it was so unusual and so just not the norm of our relationship. And I was getting, first I was upset, it's me and what's going on. And then I just like, you know, a light bulb went off and I said, you've used drugs. Like I just made that connection. And um, he admitted, you know, the one thing with Dave is that he's very honest. You know, even, you know, he, he will always be very honest at some point. And that's why <laughs> at some point. And that's why we're together because he he is a very honest person, and that's that's an important piece. But uh, so he admitted it that he had used heroin, and that's I guess that's what happens when you use heroin. I've never tried heroin before, and um, and I kicked him out. I said, "Get the hell out! I'm done. You know, I don't want anything to do with you." And I kicked him out of my apartment, and then yeah. And I begged, I begged you back. He begged me back. Here, sit, sit a little closer to the mic. I don't want my voice to be much louder than yours. Sit up straight. What are you doing? I'm chilling. Don't chill so hard. Um, and then we dated, and, and Linda, at that point, you know, like, I smoked weed every day. Linda didn't like smoking weed. Well, I, I couldn't handle weed. It made me weird. Like, it didn't feel good. Yeah, Linda's not, wasn't a stoner. Um, weed made her paranoid. Weed made you paranoid. Or actually, weed. Really ridiculous. What? Weed. What? Like, I would act ridiculous on it. Like, it didn't affect me the way it affected other people. Right, but I think there's a lot of people out there that are like that. I think that that's true for a lot of and people. And it made me, and it's, and eventually what happened with me with weed, and I know I know that with clients, too. I work in a, a drug treatment program, and for a lot of people, they, it starts to make them anxious after a while, and it stops being fun. It made you anxious immediately. It though. did. It never was fun for your weed. In the very, very beginning, I had those, like, times where you just laugh. Right. You know, and like music sounded really good. And, and then eventually it just became, everything was too clear. And, and then it, I don't know, just, I didn't like it. It wasn't fun. But you kept smoking. Oh, yeah. A lot. And I, but then, but then I started to, you know, but then I drink a lot. So I would do a lot of drinking and he would do a lot of weed. And, um, and I would steal your Ativans. And he'd steal And we would Ativan. do Coke every once in we'd a while. We do Coke sometimes. But, like, when we did Coke, I always hated the Coke. Like, you were just saying, like, me, her, and Todd would go out, and they would get Coke, and I refused to not do it, even though I didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, we hated it. that. We're like, don't use our Coke, then, if you don't like it. And I would like, use like, the use Coke. like, use it and, and, and bitch about it, and we're like, this sucks. Just, yeah, I would do that. Like, just go away. Um... But every night it would always end badly with the three of us just sitting there like, why did no, we do this? Because it's not fun. Coke's not fun after like an hour, you know, after like an hour. And then you get that raw, terrible edgy, feeling. and then like never stops. And then it's, it's horrible. It's like the worst drug ever. Chris loved shooting Coke. That was Chris's whole favorite thing. And I really wish that um, Chris had been alive. Like we had always planned to do this episode with Chris and I just think he would have loved to do it. He would yeah. have loved to facilitate it. You never even met Chris. I know. Um, but we did live very far apart, and it didn't. And we had. You but know. Chris was for like when I would talk to him, it was, I we had fun kind of making fun of Dave together a little bit. Like we we clicked on that. So I think it would have been we would have had a fun um, dynamic. Right. Because he gets he got you obviously you know and and. Um, 
as, as a, as a very close friend and you're also my very close friend. And I think we, I don't know, I think it would have been really special. It would have been really funny but, too. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I just I, us talking is probably kind of boring. Don't you never, you don't say that. That's one of the only rules of dopey is you don't put down the show while the show is happening. <laughs> That's, and I've broken that rule a million times, but that's one of the only rules, is you don't put down the show while the show is Sorry happening. Sorry if this is boring. You just broke the cardinal rule of the show. Okay, I won't say it again. I don't think there are any other rules of the show. Oh, yeah, don't say things to upset you. That was the only other rule of the show. All right, You can't well, say anything to upset Linda. You can say it to my face. Um, so then what happened? We were dating. Linda was drinking a lot. We were getting into a lot of fights. Like, we would go out and you'd be really drunk. I thought I was going to look good in these stories, but it's turning out that I'm, I'm, a, real, I'm a real loser. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, the truth of the, the, truth of the matter is... She had Ativan. Yeah. She, she had Coke. Was an alcoholic. A serious drinking problem. <laughs> um, well, the truth is the truth, and, like, if that and, were... And you know what? The reality, you know, whether I'm an addict or, or what, but, you know... The semantics of it all. I, I uh, during that time, I, I had, a, I, I did have a problem. I did have a problem. I was drinking all the time, doing coke, taking Ativan, you know, smoking. I mean, like that's kind of problematic. I mean, I was definitely, definitely had missed work because of it. I had big bouts of horrible depression and guilt and sh- I mean, you know, I wasn't like, I didn't lose my job and I didn't, you know, I didn't like lose family and I didn't, you know, like steal, but I definitely had pro I definitely had a problem. I mean, I know that. And um during that time I met Dave, it was probably at its worst, which is kind of interesting that we met during that time. Um How do you figure? Well, I was, you know, you were kind of at your your low. As far as, you know, your mom had passed away, you had just moved back here, you were starting to use heroin. With but that's not the truth. And then you met me, and then I was using all sorts of crap, That's not too. the truth. And then the, we the, met. But that's not the truth. The truth was I had stopped doing heroin on June 4th, the summer before. We had met, I don't know why that date just sticks in my head. We had met, my mother died, I don't know the date my mother died, but I remember the date I stopped doing heroin. My mother died in... Uh, I think early November, mm-hmm. and then we met in the middle of December, I think. Um, yeah, I blank on the date my mother died. I think it was early November. Um, but I hadn't done heroin. I had, uh, I had done pills here and there, and I smoked weed every day. And I did heroin the one time with, with Todd when that happened where I couldn't come. And then I did, Todd, I did heroin again with Todd when we were together. And um, all right, so so then what, our like, relationship began at that point, and we started dating, and we and we were dating for, you know, let's say what six months? Not even. Not even six months. I'd say five months. Five months, and my breasts were getting gigantic, and I didn't even realize it because I was just you know like what living my life, and we were obviously partying a lot and just, you know, being in the city and going to shows and just, you know, having fun. And Dave kept saying to me, like, are you pregnant? And I'm like, no, what do you, I can't get pregnant. And, you know, I didn't think that was possible. And he's like, and so every day he'd look at me, we'd, we'd ride the subway in from my apartment into the city to work. And he'd be like, Linda, you, your boobs are so big. He's like, I think you're pregnant. I'm like, no, da, da, da. So he, I'll never forget. We were pulling into, I think it was the 59th street 
stop. And he sticks, you stick $10. Do you remember this? Uh-huh. He sticks $10 in my pocket and goes, go into Walgreens and buy a pregnancy test, please. He's like, I really think you're pregnant. And I'm like, all right. I really, I mean, just, I can't, I just didn't think it was possible for, you know, that was probably, my own headspace was so cuckoo to not think that was possible when we were yes. having sex quite a bit. So anyway, I go into Walgreens and I get the pregnancy test and I'm, I was working on, I think, 23rd Street um, as a social worker. And I remember going into the bathroom and taking the test and like within like half a second, like a giant plus sign shows up and I'm like, holy shit. And because, um, you know, obviously we were not parent material at this point. No, and, we were um, not. And I'm like. But we were old enough. We, well, we were, I was 35 and he was... No, you were 34 and I was 36. 36. And um, I remember I was at work. I worked in the same restaurant and I would sit and you, you called me and you said, you were like, sit down or something. It's like, I'm um, waiting tables. I really can't sit. No, no. It was in the morning. I remember yeah. the, the, the restaurant was empty and I, you, you called me and I, and I had given you the money for the... Um, pregnancy test. For the pregnancy test. And I sat in the corner, and you told me that you were pregnant. And I swear to God, you know, in like a movie where like the camera pulls out <laughs> and the background moves in, you know, that uh-huh. like that crazy. That's what ha- I could feel myself in that moment. Like I was like, oh my god, and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine as a woman, like that's your response on the other end. Oh. What could I say? Yes, baby. Like, this is this is the moment we've been waiting for. We could have a family finally. I know. I mean, like. I was living in Jim. You guys know Jim. I was living in Jim's mother's apartment, you know, in Jim's mother's crazy apartment with the bird and the cats and, like, the fucking, like, hoarder material everywhere. And uh, I was not ready. I, I had, you know, a drug problem. I was a heroin addict. I worked in this restaurant, and I was not ready to be a father, even right. though... Uh, Linda said she's going to have the baby if I was ready or not. Well, he he begged me to not have the baby, and I met, mind you, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't having this like maternal. I didn't beg you not drive. to drive. I didn't beg you not to have the baby. It wasn't like I was. I jumping, said. What? I said. I don't think it's the time for us okay. to be having well, the baby. Right. I didn't beg you well, not to have the baby. It was. And I also said, if you want to have the baby, I'm here. Okay. Well, it didn't start off like that. Because I was 35 years old, and I wasn't, again, pining. She was the most beautiful 35-year-old you could ever see. I wasn't pining for a baby, but when I found out I was pregnant at 35 years old, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but for me, I was going to have that baby. And Dave did, I know he's saying, he goes, maybe we should reconsider. Now, he kind of wanted me to not have the baby. I said, I don't think it's a good idea. Right. But I didn't beg you not to have the baby. I told him that... That's fine, and he's free to not be involved, but I am most definitely having the baby. And he did say eventually that he... he that, in that conversation. Wa- maybe a few days later. It was not a few days later. <laughs> he said he, he um, you know, would, would, would be there for me and, and for the baby. You make it sound so shitty, though. Well, because it did turn out to be pretty shitty. What do you What do you mean? We have this beautiful house. We, we do, have two but how, kids. that's like fast forward how many years? All I know is that when I left, and I went to my father's apartment, and I saw my father, and I said, "Sit down," you know, and I told him what had happened. Oh, your poor dad. And then I your left. Your dad must have had. Did your dad like faint? No. What did he say? Did he say oy vey? Probably. 
Um, and then I left his apartment, okay, and I went back to get the N train, you know, on uh, on 23rd and Broadway, and I literally fell down the steps. <laughs> like, yeah, I was so I nervous that. and, and then sick. Then you got hurt. You know, I, like, fell down the steps, and yeah. I was like, uh... And I wasn't, I wasn't doing dope then. I was just smoking pot, and I was terrified, and smoking cigarettes, and I was terrified. I would steal Ativans from you occasionally, but I was mostly just smoking weed. And, um... Is that when we moved into the place in Astoria? Or? Yeah, so I was living on a fourth floor walk-up about 13 blocks from the subway. So I was like, I, I can't live here and, and, and be pregnant. So I said, we have to find another apartment. So we found, uh, so we started looking and looking, and then we wound up finding a place closer to the train, which was only a third floor walk-up. Well, she picked Such this a, terrible it apartment. It was like the worst apartment ever. It was filled with roaches. It was like, but whatever. It was close to the train, and... I don't know, but so then we moved in together. It was a terrible. It was apartment. horrible. It was. It was the a, worst. And I was like, I was like, we shouldn't live here. It's not nice. And you and Linda has this thing, like that she doesn't like nice things, which is probably why she wound up with me. It was like she did. <laughs> she was like, I don't like nice things. I don't want a nice apartment. I, I'm. Yeah, I feel I, guilty. I, if I have it. too much. And like I was like, Linda, you're gonna be pregnant. You're pregnant. You know, we're talking about carrying you up four floors, the baby, the shit. Roller, right? the, the building was disgusting. Yeah. There's no hot water in the I shower. The, it was just, it was, it was cheap, though. That was good. Yeah. It was way cheaper. I mean, I'm sure you couldn't get a place like no, that so it cheap was, now. It was, it was as bad as it gets. It was bad. And she was, and then her parents, God bless them, like anything Linda does, her parents are like, oh, this is the most wonderful thing in the world. And like, we're living <laughs> in this shitty fucking apartment. And they come and they go, Lynn is so cute. Oh. And my dad is like, really? You live here? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. He was not supportive. And they were like, "Oh, it's gonna be so." And I was like, "This place is so gross." Well, we're very, op- we're very, we're optimists. We're always thinking that things are gonna be great, and you, you guys don't look at it like that. We're more realists. <laughs> I think we're more realists. So anyway, yeah, we moved into the apartment, and um, so, but while I was pregnant, you were using. Right. Well, no, while you were pregnant. Because I have a memory of going to a, um, not a Lamaze class. It was a a, um, live birth class. It was our our birthing class where we have to learn how to have a, you know, natural birth. And we're all sitting around with all these couples. I think it was in the village. I don't know. No, it was on 20th Street. It was on 17th Street or 18th Street between 6th and 5th Avenue. Right. I remember exactly so what So everyone's was. sitting around and they're all like, you know, the, all the, Yuppies. the couples are very like, they're very, you know, in love and they're rubbing, you know, the, the husband's rubbing the belly and they're, they're all, all alert. Know, they're all like, you know, and I look over at Dave at one point and he's nodding out yeah. next to me. And of course his excuse is always, I'm just really tired from my job. No, but fucking... And I'm tired, too, because I'm pregnant. So part of me is like, okay, yeah, I guess. I'm tired, too. But, like, looking back... I like, was nodding, why was why, why was my partner, like, sleeping? And everybody else is like, this is, like, a pretty important moment in a couple's, you know, thing. Oh, so, this, yeah. this, this, your appearance... Well, listen. Your appearance on Dopey is going gonna, is gonna to ruin our whole relationship. <laughs> um, so now no. people know why this is, why, why you know, this, this wasn't an easy thing to... What happened, though? What happened was I wasn't using and stuff, but I, I was very scared about, you know, our future, the baby, the unknown. Mm-hmm. 
and I was so used to using that I wanted to hang out with Todd as much as oh, possible. Oh, enter Todd. And, and I remember we were, I'd be like, let's have Todd over for dinner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Todd would come out to Astoria. And I didn't ask him to bring dope. And one time he just brought dope. And like, yeah. you remember that? And, I don't uh, remember that because you guys hid it from me. And Linda would go to bed early, and then me and Todd would do heroin and watch TV or play video games or whatever and stay up late like because we were such winners at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Todd had hooked me up with a, a benzo dealer named Phoenix who I would buy pills off of him in Union Square all the time. And, and just things just sort of... Snowballed. They snowballed. And um, they snow and and as his stuff was snowballing, I was getting more and more pregnant. And well, the if, baby was growing. Anybody out there has been pregnant. You know that you're in your you know you're in your own world when you're pregnant. You're dealing with your body. You're dealing with nesting. You're dealing with the baby coming. So, I didn't have the same. You know, I wasn't as alert to him acting weird. I do remember. I used to always say. Remember, I used to always say, something's wrong with your eyes. I guess his. Pupils were pinned, and I always could I could see that, but I didn't know what it was. So right. I would say, "What's wrong with your eyes?" Why, Not to mention they were why glazed. Your eyes, they were glazed. And I like, looked like a zombie. I was like, "Your eye? What's wrong with your eyes?" And he'd always have his reasons. And honestly, I was because I was so pregnant and just so like I didn't even not that I didn't care, but I was like, okay, like I didn't I didn't. I didn't like give him the third degree because I was just so caught up in my own. Life and the baby and everything. But not to mention, I was smoking tons of weed and I was smoking cigarettes. And remember, you wanted me to quit smoking, so you sent me to the psychiatrist to get me on Wellbutrin, Wellbutrin. to get me off. Yeah, of and cigarettes. then you got the Wellbutrin to give him Xanax. So I go to the get the Wellbutrin script, and the guy's like, "This," and I told him my whole drug history. And he, the guy was like, "Well, this might make you feel a little bit oh. edgy." And I was like, oh, I don't want to feel edgy. And he was like, well, you know, he goes, maybe I should prescribe you a benzo. I said, that sounds like a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, what, what benzos do you like? And I said, I prefer two milligram Xanax sticks. <laughs> and I go, and I don't have much money, so could you please write it out, write the script so it take as needed, you know? And so he gives me this crazy huge Xanax bottle and I so I, I but I didn't I didn't So you can't that's what I meant about earlier. Like you can't do that anymore. Like what my psychiatrist gave me with that Ativan and this guy with the Xanax, like psychiatrists don't will not do that anymore. They're much smarter. So back when we were getting I'm it, sure there are a sprinkling of psychiatrists out there that still do. But do you remember that I contacted the psychiatrist? Alinda is so she's hardcore. Like when also there was this woman who I had been friends with, uh, and, and like and she and like I'd run into we her were trying to get clonopins from her. And, and like Linda Linda snoops just she's just snoops. Oh yeah. So she snooped, and I'll never stop. She snooped and that's my, an ongoing fight in this household. My Facebook messages, and she saw that I was trying to get clonopin, so she just wrote this crazy message to this woman, like, "Who you? Who do you think you are?" But mm-hmm. you know, she like scared the shit out of the. I contacted this girl. the psychiatrist. She she like called the psychiatrist to have him disbarred. I'm going to report him. Because yeah. what, what a fucking idiot! Like you're going to prescribe a heroin addict. I mean, were you really, if you were really, in fact, honest with him about I was. that, and then he prescribed you Xanax, I mean. Dude, if I, if I go to a psychiatrist and they want to hear my drug history, I just get off telling the story. You know how I, you know how I am with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't keep anything to myself with that, with those moments, especially like, I also wanted the Wellbutrin. I didn't go and in there. And then Dave kept, the, I remember you kept the Xanax in our medicine cabinet and he would break it into these tiniest, teeniest little pieces at first. 
Like you were really trying in the beginning I to did? just take it. That. Yeah, he'd break it into these teeny tiny little pieces to try to, I guess, not, you know, to be responsible. But I mean, obviously that didn't last long. Then I would just, no, I, in my memory, I would take one a day. And then, and then after Todd and I had used, we started using once a week, and then we started using twice a week. Right. And the, the difference between me and Todd is like, Todd can pretend he's not going to become addicted, and I just jump right into it. So like, I found a dealer that I was going to see. Like I, I had just set it up that I was going to have dope, but I didn't want to do it every day when you were pregnant, and I, and I didn't. That was very kind of you. I was terrified about getting a real habit. It wasn't about being kind. I didn't want to have a, a real habit. Right. You know, I didn't know what to expect with the baby. I didn't. And then know. he slowly, you slowly sick. You didn't show up to a couple of like the appointments. Like you started to like. I remember I have memories of you like nodding out on the on the on the reclining chair, and I'd just be like, you know. But he'd always say, "I'm just really tired. I'm just really tired," and I was really tired too. So I mean, you know, I guess I'm looking back. You you feel so stupid as a partner to someone who's using. You know, because you're like, how did I not? pick up on this, this, and this. But then you realize, like, well, because I was, like, also had my own life that I was, you know, living and, and it's your first my baby. Own. You were with a guy you barely knew. You know what I mean? And I didn't, you know, and, and as much as I did my share of partying, my drug use, you know, I did, like, little acid in college, you know, smoked weed, liked Coke, and... You did else? a bunch of Coke, but it was never, but like, I mean, the like addict that, spectrum. But, like, right. But, I, I mean, I used it a lot, but it's, like, those drugs are very, like, whatever. Like, I didn't know... I really didn't know anything about... Um, heroin, and I, I didn't. I didn't know about it. I didn't know what the signs of it. I didn't. I remember. Like he could I, very easily say, "I'm tired," and I'd be like, "Well, when you're tired, do you usually like not out like that?" And like, well, the funny thing was, I remember now where really where it had started, and, and it's not your fault. I just connected to something that you had done, which is at Christmas she had given me Nikki Six's book. The Heroin Diaries. Oh, yeah. And then you got, remember we got into a fight because you yeah. go, this is triggering me. And then you blamed me, I think. Listen, just I come. I think you said come. you read that book and that's why you used. I read that book on the oh train. Oh, my gosh. And I got off the Shame train. On you. It was before any of the real relapse had started. I got off the train at Prince Street to walk to work and there's a methadone clinic there and there's like 10 guys on the corner and they were obviously buying Xanax and I was like, I could buy Xanax. So I did. And that was the start. And do you remember the show that I used to watch every single day that probably didn't help? I used to always watch Intervention of people shooting up heroin. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you mind if I watch this? I didn't mind, though. I liked Intervention at the time. You bringing up Intervention makes me want to talk about the Vice thing, but I'm going to table the Vice thing. Um, Anyway, so I wound up doing dope like three days a week. I remember I would go to those live birth classes with the, you know, the little pocket in your jeans, it was full of heroin and pills. Like, I would go to that thing, and it was like, I couldn't imagine, like, a worse scenario to be in. You know, like, to have to be there for you, to have to show up for all the things that are necessary to have the baby, to work, the fear of, like, having a baby, mm-hmm. the fear of us having this life, and like, and the pressure, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I was really scared. I remember you know, that. I always knew there was something like wrong, like deep down inside, I knew there was something wrong. And I, I kind of felt like I was just going to just do it alone. I'm just going to do it alone. Like I love Dave and I, and I. You love me then? 
I love I loved you because I, I always knew what a good man you you were. You know, I always knew that there was this really amazing person. But um, I mean, I had such crazy hormones, and there were times where he'd be so mean and angry, and it was you know he's not like that. You're not like that now. Well, dope does that. Right, but I know that now, you know, so there's so many things looking back. So there got to a point in time toward the end where, like, I went for a tour of my hospital with my friend. I went, I had, like, I used to go to all my ultrasound appointments by myself. You know, like, I just started to do things on my own and because I just knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And I wonder, like, if other people can, you know, relate to that. Like, you know something's off, you know something's wrong. But you ask the person, and they have these reasons and these excuses, and they make sense. But at the same time, your gut is telling you, like, something is, is seriously wrong. But when you're pregnant or when you have, you know, bills to pay or when you have response, you have to keep going. So that's, you know, so that's what we did. And that leads into, you know, when I had the baby, um, and, the, and, and we had the baby, and... I have memories of I was I had to be there for a long time because there were some complications. But I remember a lot of memories of Dave not even being there. You know, the maybe out of the there was days he'd be gone for whole days. Flat, fast forward to our latest child, where he like slept on the floor of our hospital bed and never left my side. You know, so there's the difference right there. Well, I was I he was you were with Todd at our apartment getting high when I was in the hospital with, with our the, with, with our newborn. newborn baby, who was and not only did we have a newborn, but she was like. Messed up. Incredibly fucked up in the NICU. And she, I was, had, well, she was and incredibly I was, fucked up. Well, she up. had a lot of problems. And I was, I was, uh, I mean, she's fine now, but, and I was by myself. And, and because I was taking, a, really enjoying my morphine drip from my C section. Did you have a morphine drip? Oh my gosh. And not only, not only that, but our hospital was going out of business. So I had inconsistent nurses. So every time they came in, I'm like, oh, I didn't get my Percocet. I didn't get my Percocet. So I was like, you know, I felt okay, but now again, looking back, Dave wasn't really there. I was know? there intermittently, and also they didn't. They made it so you like because it was like an old Catholic hospital. They were like, I couldn't sleep there, but I didn't want to. I wanted to get drugs. I wanted to get yeah. high. I was nervous. Like so, I, then with all of this going on, imagine all of us then leaving the hospital. I think I stayed there for like what six days. I mean, it was there was a lot of problems. And next, now we're back in this shithole apartment. You know, and um, now Dave has a full-blown, you know, drug problem going on. Todd's, you know, coming over all the time bringing drugs, which, you know, kind of sucked that my, that that happened, you know, because he was a good friend of mine. And, um, and yeah, and so that's, that's... uh, that's what happened up until the point where I walked in and well, saw Dave using drugs. But you're, you're just, what are you running? Th- that's like a big story. Like on my end, it was like, I remember it was like, I was using three days a week, but like I was squirrely about it. Like right. I would feel like I needed to get high on the third day and like, and I would try to like map out my day so that. At like nine o'clock at night, you would be asleep right. and I could get high. And you remember Todd used to come check on me? Yeah. Because he, him and I were, he was like my brother, you know? I had a lot of resentment toward him for a long time about this. But I'd be, the baby would be in her crib and I'd be in bed and Todd would come back and go, Linny, Linny. And I'd be like, hi, Buzz. You know, he'd like jump in bed with me and we'd hug. Like he was like my brother, you know? And he'd be like, let me tuck you in. It sounds stupid, but we were, we lived together for years and, 
and he gave me a kiss. You know, like a brother. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Um, but he wanted, but ultimately what he was doing was making sure that I was asleep because then he wanted to go back and they wanted to, they, they were waiting for me to go to bed so that they could use. Yeah. And that was many, Which is many. so incredibly fucked up, you know? It was incredibly fucked up. And, but, and it was many, many, many nights of that. Yeah. And, um, and then it all came to a head on one night where Linda and I had had dinner and I, and I hadn't been able to connect with the drug dealer, but, like, I was the kind of customer that would pay extra for the drug dealer to come out if I needed him to or whatever. And, um, and I remember we, we were, like, we had eaten dinner, and I was so itching to get high um, that I had had this little Dominican guy come out to Queens with dope, but I needed an excuse to get out of our apartment, and we had laundry waiting in the laundromat. So I said to Linda, I need to go get the laundry. Then I had the guy take the train, and I timed it. Like, somehow I fucking timed it perfectly, which is like, that would never normally happen. Mm-hmm. Where, like, it's I'm leaving. the way things happen, right? I'm leaving the laundromat, and the drug dealer shows up on the, the steps, mm-hmm. and I buy probably a bundle of dope from him, and I pay him extra to come out to Queens, you know. And uh, he goes back, and I go upstairs, and I, like, Dealing with Linda, like just hoping she falls asleep so I can get high because I was. God, everybody just wanted me to fall fall asleep. Well, you know. Yeah. And um and listen, like I I feel like this weird need to defend myself in these situations, but I was a terrible drug addict. But I also feel like at that point, you you know, because I don't have a memory of it. I have a memory of it actually being like earlier in the day, like the baby was asleep, but I was still awake. And I actually feel like at that point you had gotten so sloppy with your using that you you didn't even like wait anymore for me to go to sleep. Well, that's that's the thing. It was like this. It was I remember the night the Bachelorette was on. Yeah, I think I I was watching that in the other. You were only like one room over. I was awake. I wasn't asleep. But very very often when Linda would watch TV, like fifteen minutes in, she'd pass out on the couch. Right. And like and I was desperate to get high. Right. So, like, Linda was watching The Bachelorette. She was eating, like, an ice cream sundae. And, like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Am I that kind of... Yeah, you're, you're that kind of... You're going to paint yeah. me like that? I'm going to paint the picture. She was, she was, you know, in her robe... I was actually watching a documentary film. On, on, the ba- on Bachelorettes and their preparation <laughs> to meet their ideal man. Um, but so, like, she was still awake. And I, and I went and I shot up in the bathroom... No, and I was in the back room. No, no, no. I shot up in oh, the bathroom. I, this is I didn't know this. And then, or maybe I shot up in the back room. Maybe I don't, I don't know. And uh, and then I and then I waited until you fell asleep so I could do it again. But I waited there with the spoon and the needle in my lap. And Linda got up and she came. I, we had an office in the back of the room, and she came to the. I think I told the story your on Dopey. Den. Yes, it was in the office. It was not an office. It was my office. Okay. I had a desk in there. Um, <laughs> whatever. It was, it was, yeah, it was the drug den of the apartment. Right. Yeah, well, it was. It was. Um, you know, I, again, I and feel... And sleazy fire escape. I feel the need to defend myself, but I really I know shouldn't. Why. You know, because I was as bad as you could be, you know. Um, anyway, she walks into the room... And I'm lying there, and the needle and the spoon are on my lap, but Linda doesn't see them. And she's like, good night, and I'm sure she can see them. 
And she's like, she's like, good night. And I'm like, good night. And she's like, aren't you going to give me a kiss? And I thought she was, she could see them. And I said, I said, I really fucked up. And you were like, what? And I, and I picked up and she was like, what is that? Uh, no, I have a different memory. All right. Story. So tell me your memory. I was going in. I said, date. I said, good night. And he's like, good night. And I'm like, and I'm like, then I go to open because you had the door shut. So I start opening the door. To like physically see you, and you started pushing the door shut, and that I said, "What do you? What?" That sounds from yeah, and I and I'm like, I'm like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Open the door," and you're like, "No, I can't. No, I can't open the door. I can't open the door." I'm like, "Dave, what are you doing? Open the door. Open the door." And you're like, "I can't. You can't." And you're like, and then you then you you open the door, and you're like, "You're like, I'm using drugs." I actually have my. I should read my journal entry. I think we I can. Wish I had I, it. I think we can pass on the journal entry. No, but because I wrote it in the journal, like like that within that week, I know exactly. That's exactly what happened. He said, "I'm using drugs. I'm using drugs." And then I said, "What?" And then I looked in, and then I saw all the paraphernalia, and then I said, "Like." And it's so funny, just to share my where I can, where I was at. The second I saw the drugs and he said, I'm using drugs, I obviously my world was crashing on, on me, but I felt so relieved because I knew, like, like I mentioned before, like you knew something was wrong. It was almost kind of like, I'm not fucking crazy. And like everything made sense. And I was like, I just felt this sense of like, cra- you know, crazy anger. And, you know, I couldn't feel the anger and sadness yet. I just felt this relief, like, you everything were right. everything makes sense. And I just said to him, I said, get, I think I said, get the fuck out. And then he wouldn't, then he's like begging me, no, 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 begging me and chasing me around the house and trying to get me to talk to him. And I remember, I remember I ran out of the apartment. You left. And I ran to uh, the Astoria Park, which was across the street. And I called um, a friend and then I called my, my parents and I called my dad, who I was a little scared to call because he's a tough, a little bit of a tough dude. And he's like, um, tell him to get the fuck out and I'm coming right now. My parents live on Long Island and my dad like jumped in the car and then I called Al- I-, I called Alan, I think. I think I called Alan and said, you need, yeah, you need to come get Dave out of the house because my dad's going to be here. And so by the time I got back to the apartment, um, Dave's dad was there. No, I took the, right? I, I, no, I just Or did left. you just leave? I just okay. left. I remember seeing your dad coming over at one point. And um, yeah, and then, and then and so me and the baby you know, waited for my dad to get there. And, and, and the next day I left, I moved out like the next day. Because I think you saw him the next day when we were getting stuff. I see. I saw his dad the next day when he was getting Because, you know, the reality was all of the pieces, like all at once came together and it just made so much sense. And, um, and then once I got to my parents' house, me and the, my baby, the baby moved to my parents' house. Our baby. Our baby, sorry. See, I'm feeling like very, it's very intense stuff. It's very, it's hard to talk about. But once I moved out to my parents' house, then the, the sadness set in because I did love him. And um, like I said before, uh, I knew there was so much more to Dave than what this was. And, and you know, and also we had this, and he also was a really good father. Like you were so good with Nora. And and even then I was. Yes, when you held her. I mean, even within all of that, you could just, you know, you weren't a bad person. You just were very sick and but I didn't know at that time I was just like fuck you. <laughs> Angry, mad, sad and I I just, you know. And once I got to my parents' house, you know, I worked in Manhattan, so my whole life went down the toilet. 
living with my parents. I'm commuting to the city. I had a, however old she was, what was she, like four months old at that point, four or five months old? Yeah. So it was a lot, you know? It was a lot. And, like, then there's so much more to the story. I feel like we could go, like, there's a whole other chapter of, like, after. But that's the main, you know, that's that's the story. That's, well, the, after, that's the story. But after is when, like, I really bottomed out. You know, after... Oh, yeah. Then you... He would show up... He would show up for visit, uh, supervised visitations at my parents' house. And him and I still maintain, managed to try to kind of maintain a friendship. And I'd get, we'd get him from the train, and he would look like death. Once he came out with, like, a black eye and, like... I had walked into a you wall. You walked into a wall. I think you got arrested. Did you get arrested at one point? Yeah. I mean, so every time I'd pick him up from the train, I'd be like, oh, my God. And he was... Because his use was, like, off the charts at that point. I was using, like, hundreds... I was using, like, $300 a day. I was, like... He, was, he would come out to see Norm for a supervised visitation, and he'd be nodding out on my parents' couch. And I'd be at work, and my mom would be like... Dave was like falling asleep playing with Nora. She had no clue about what that was. She's like Dave was falling asleep playing Even with Nora. Even after you had left because I was on dope. Yeah. So it was just like crazy, crazy, crazy. So then I got better and we had another baby and we bought a house. The end. Stay strong, Dopey Nation and Trudel. <laughs> what else do you have to I mean like the story there's, there's obviously just, there's just so much, you know. It just there's there's so much, but like the, re- the, 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 the point is that it's been how many years now that we've been together, you've been clean, we have a house, we have a, a new baby, we have a beautiful eight-year-old daughter. And I guess um, we've only been back together for, for a little years. more than three years. Three years, yeah. You know, and there was a lot of like... like but we, were, we, were at, we had started getting back together four years ago. You remember that? There was some picture we just saw that was from four years ago. But is that when we went on that trip, and then we you had the slip up? Yeah, but there's something else. Like we've been together like three, four years right. since then. But we weren't together for three or four years before that. But we were kind of here and there. And we were the dating time. other people, but we always we always liked each other and cared about each other. Yes, we liked each other. Um, but we managed to, uh, you know, because I got sober, like you came around basically. Yeah. Because you were a different person. You were the person that I always knew, you know, was, you know, you were who you are without, without drugs fucking it up. And um, it's, it's an incredible thing, you know, and I, and I understand. And, but, it was, but listen, we have to give ourselves credit, both of us. It's, a, it's been a lot of work. It's been a ton of work. <laughs> you know, I mean. It's been a ton of I always talk about it when I talk about it. I always compare our story to like the story of like you know you hear about like an Indian couple that like was arranged to be married and then they met and it wound up being this amazing match I always see us as this sort of like successful arranged marriage mm. for, for some reason arranged through baby arranged through baby and recovery like even when we had the baby like there was no reason for us to be together but it but once we had the baby and also I think like you know, I got way closer to Nora than I had expected to get with her for right. some reason. Like, right, you did. Like, our bond was, like, just way stronger than I had anticipated because it being. Because you were a very good father. And and then... I mean, even when you were using... I mean, I guess I think this is important. Even when you were using, like, a ton of heroin after I had left, Dave still never missed a visitation. 
No. I mean, yes, you would come out like Hi. like high and nodding out and with black eyes and all Fucked messed up. up, but he still always came and 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 made sure he was still like responsible. I also paid for everything and and was oh oh yeah always paid for you know the child support or you know gave money for anything she needed if she needed clothes. I mean, so he was always so you were still a good father even though you know I was getting high. I mean, it's so yeah. easy to say, and that was the thing. You know, my friends would obviously like disliked him and was like. Why even, you know, just be done with him. Just go to court. Get full custody. Just be done with it. Be done with him. Don't even talk to him. And I I never wanted to do that because I knew in my gut, you know, who who he was. And I hoped that and and I hoped that he would get better. Um you know, and thank God that thank God he did. And how much of that was because of our daughter? You know, that's the million-dollar question. I'm, I'm sure it had a lot to do with it because when you have, you know, it's a, it's a selfless act to be a parent. Well, I saw myself when, when she was little, like when she was very young and she couldn't talk, it wasn't hard for me to get high. You know what I mean? I would see her two days a week. We weren't having conversations. Right, she's I, so little. I felt like I could get away with it. It, it wasn't a thing. But... As she got older, it became very clear that I didn't want to be, I couldn't be that person to her. I needed to actually be her father. I couldn't be all fucked up and be her father. It wasn't going to work, you know. And um, so I decided that that had to change, you know. And and I wound up relapsing on weed. and, And then, like, it became, like, you know, I wasn't sure that Linda and I were going to be able to put it back together. But I knew that Linda and I being together with our kid would be better than any other scenario. You know what I mean? Like the idea of us winding up with other people when we could just as easily wind up together. Like why create this ridiculous situation? Right. You know, when... when and you, all- fought, you fought for us to be together as a family very, very, very hard. Yeah, I thought there was times where I met other people and I, you know, like there was quite a few times where that didn't seem like it was going to happen. And Dave really, really fought. And I I loved him. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, get lost. But he really fought for us to be a family and he really valued us being a family. You know, remember, you used to always say that. And um, and now looking back, you know, he was he was 100 percent right. And we have this incredibly beautiful family. Um, hard earned, you know, it's, but fun. It was it's hard. Like, I mean, it's like almost like funny, like it's ridiculous to think about, but I saw it then, you know what I mean? Like, like when, you know, and I was not perfect and like I would date other people. I didn't care about it. I just dated other people. So like, cause I was, no, because like, what was I going to do? Not date, just go crazy, like okay. go crazy about it. Like I needed to, to do that. But I didn't care about it. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. never, like, had a relationship where I was, like, you know, or maybe I had a couple. But the point was, like, all I wanted to do was was put our family back together. Yeah. And, and, and and I fought really you hard fought to really do it. You fought really hard for it. You really did. And then you came around for some reason. It was after, like, that crazy... It's because the Ativan ran out. I fought for it, but you obviously fought for it, too. I mean, you can give me all the credit, but you're, you're, we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have come together if we hadn't both come together. Right. And none of it would have worked out if I hadn't gotten sober, you know. Um, and I mean, like, whatever, man. It's like, 
my sobriety saved my life. My sobriety saved our family. It's like my sobriety uh, made dopey work. It's it's um, and and it's only because like things can happen besides me worrying about getting high. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm getting high, all I worry about is getting high, and nothing else can happen. But if I'm not worried about getting high, I can worry about how are we going to have a good life? How can the show be good? You know, there's no and room in your life for that. For what? For for getting high. You know, think how busy you are. Every second is so busy. Imagine how you would be a father, be a homeowner, work full time, commute to the city. I mean, you could. How could you do any of that if you were even smoking weed? I mean, even like the fact that you don't do anything is pretty incredible. You don't smoke cigarettes. You don't smoke weed. You don't. You never were a drinker. But I mean, you're just such a straight shooter. Well, I, I think that giving up cigarettes was a huge thing. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But for I this, still have, I still have my a glass or two of wine when I've had like you know a really freaking stressful day, and I think it's so incredibly strong to be sober, to not be able to have that little you know respite with a with a couple drinks. It's I think it's so incredible that you know you get by in other ways and you don't need to go toward to, to because it, it would be impossible for me to have a little bit of anything right if i if i smoked weed i'd smoke weed every day right. if i took pills i'd eventually take pills every day i never liked drinking so it so wasn't a thing you have to find other ways cigarettes i can have an occasional cigarette deal. i couldn't have right. an occasional cigarette that's that's mm-hmm. the thing right um let's i'm going to read a voicemail or i'm going to read an email excuse me Actually, you can read it. It's weird because um, you read this email. Okay. It's weird. I got it, like, last week, but I don't think this listener knew that Chris died. Dear Dave and Chris, I recently turned into a fan of your guys' podcast. My friend Aubrey got me into listening to it. I thought I'd share about my current adventure, which is turning into a pretty, pretty crazy story. So first, a couple facts. I'm a 19-year-old trans man from the middle of nowhere in Ohio, and in the past two days, I've traveled... Aubrey was one of our interns who never did anything, I'm assuming, because how many Aubreys are there, and this Aubrey lives in Ohio? In the past two days, I've traveled almost 1,000 miles high as a kite, road tripping to the West Coast. Monday, I went to work, or at least I got up at like 4 a.m. to drive to work. I never actually made it on the job, which is probably a good thing, because I'd been on and off... Kratom? Kratom. Kratom and dope for a week because I relapsed. Driving a truck high is never fun. I ended up getting fired from my job and kicked out of my sober living arrangements by noon on that same day. Within the last month, my best friend and my ex-friend have also relapsed. My grandmother, the only real family I had left, passed, and I dumped my abusive girlfriend because she was sexting, sexting another guy. Lots of fucked up shit has been going down. Currently, I'm driving to at least Las Vegas, maybe San Diego, and it feels like your show is the only little bit of sanity on this trip. I've had it playing in the background nonstop. Right now, I'm writing from a shady backwoods part of Kansas near the Colorado border, knuckle dusters in my waistband, in the parking lot of the tiniest 12-step club I think I've ever seen. What are knuckle dusters? I don't know. The goal of this trip is to either get clean or tank so hard it doesn't matter. If I'm sober by the time I reach Vegas, I might have a place to stay with an old high school friend. I've got no family to speak of, no job, no house, unless my car counts, and almost no money. I've been getting as high as humanly possible in some self-destructive last hurrah. 
All I'd been doing is driving and using, hitting the occasional meeting, and sleeping in Walmart parking lots. The cash lady in St. Louis this morning told me to go to church and find God. I guess that's what I got for stumbling in at 4 a.m. just buying Mountain Dew, distilled water, and aluminum foil. This trip started with shooting dope. I think my tracks might be getting infected and has developed into a mess of smoking and drinking mass amounts of kratom, tripping on Benadryl, drinking vanilla extract for the alcohol, and huffing insane amounts of gasoline, burbane, and duster, butane, and duster. Crazy shit like usual. On the upside, I hit Denver, Colorado tomorrow. I guess I'll finally bite the bullet and try weed for the first time. I've never got around to it. Hmm. It Seems like the perfect place to. This podcast dope, pun totally intended. If you guys care to hear more, I'll keep sending updates. I've done some pretty whacked out things in my life, and this might be the icing on the cake. I really am on the highway to hell right now. Regards, Winston H. Wow, Winston H. That's a fucking hardcore. That's powerful. uh, Email. Uh, we would love to hear updates, and I'm sorry to tell you that Chris died. Uh, that's got to be a weird thing to listen to the right. show and not know. Right. Um, but I uh, always wanted to have you on the show, Lynn, and uh, what do you think? Um, I th- I'm really glad that I got to be on the show. Why are you glad? Because I think the show is incredibly powerful and important and after Chris passed away which was so devastating and just unbelievable um, to see the Dopey Nation page come up that I'm on and I I look at quite a bit and um, just to read the outpouring of love um, it made me it made me realize you know how important this medium is and uh and I just really admire the fans. I admire, you know, I admire you and Chris so much for what you've done. You do? Yeah. How come you never tell me about this admiration? I was saving it for the... <laughs> You're saving I was it saving the- it for when I was a guest. Wow. Um, no, and I, I just, uh, I'm proud of everyone who's, a, who's, you know, a part of this, who listens to this, who... Who's trying hard to stay clean? You know. It's, How about when Todd died? Oh my God! How terrible! Todd was passing and then Chris passing. It was like and talk about that. Tell like, that story. I, can't about even, it. I still can't wrap my brain around it. Give really give can. the the eyewitness view from the house about that. With oh that. my gosh! Of of just what what it just two you know Todd was Todd was my best friend and Dave's best friend and then. Chris was Dave's best friend, and you know, Chris and Dave were like were like girlfriend boyfriend. They texted nonstop. Like I know, just constantly. I'm like Chris. Like they talk, they text. They were in communication twenty four seven. I mean, they just love to talk to one another. And um, so when he passed away, I just I I, I thought they I actually got you know I didn't get scared that Dave was gonna relapse. But I got very scared that something was going to happen to him, that he was going to have a just a total breakdown. Mel- breakdown. And plus, we had a newborn baby, and we lived in a new house. So it was just the most horrible thing ever. And um, they were just two incredibly beautiful spirits. And uh, when I don't want to talk. I could get, you know, emotional. When, when Todd hard. died, uh, Linda was, we were, we were giving the baby a bath. We're in the kitchen, and, we're, and me, Linda, and Nora were washing the baby, and um, and we got a call from Linda's friend, who is Todd's friend, and like, 
you know, I was numb to both of the of the of the news. Yeah. To hearing about both of them, I was just fucking totally numb. And like, the reason that they died is because they used. You know, like I, I struggle with. We uh, always kind of knew. Not to say we always kind of knew this would happen with Todd, but Ch- Todd just didn't care about getting better. Todd didn't pretend to be clean. You know, like Todd didn't. So not to say that that wasn't. Um, incredibly shocking and devastating but it felt a little bit different than with Chris that just was just a complete and total shock you know I mean Dave was in shock shock to the point that after Dave found out he started texting Chris and calling him to like talk to him because and I looked at him and I said Dave do you understand what's going on like he just I mean he, he was just he just texted him a matter of hours before where he said he was fine and he was in bed, and he'd call, call him later. I mean, so, so that was very different from Todd, who was just kind of, like, cut off from everybody and was, like, you know, you know, very, I don't know. I, mean, I didn't... It's different, but, it's, but ultimately, it's not different. It's the, same, it's the same shit. They both died because they couldn't stop using them, you know, and, um, and that's just the truth of it. They both died because they couldn't stop using. Um... Todd, like, refused to stop using, and Chris refused to just keep going on in his recovery. Yeah. You know, and um, I don't know. I feel uh, obviously just devastated by both of them dying. And uh, I'm very sad that I never got to meet Chris. Like, it's sad doing this right now with you because we, there's so many times I was like, I'll just call in, I'll just call in. And Chris and Dave were like, and, but then we, we knew we would have so much fun. If we all are, you know, we wanted to do it together. And it's just, I'm like looking at the empty chair next to Dave and feeling like he should be sitting there. He would but, probably be sitting there across, but um, it would have been, um, or maybe he'd be sitting where you're sitting and you'd be sitting there. But like, it would have been better. And, um, you know, obviously the show is going to be much different without him. And I'm doing my best to keep yeah. it going and um, appreciate all you guys listening. You know, I always would say it to Chris, like, you know, it was so corny to hear an artist say, we're nothing without the fans. But, like, the truth is, like, we're nothing without you guys. I mean, if you don't listen to the show, nobody listens to the show. And I also told Dave, because I know he, Dave really wants this podcast to be fun, you know, to make, you know, addiction recovery work you know fun so people aren't calling in and being like ugh, like depressed and like you know but, i didn't want it to be preachy but i didn't I, want it to be sanctimonious i didn't want it to be depressing right. i wanted it to be fun and but funny. something that i think dave's been struggling with a little bit is that after chris passed away you know it's 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 okay for it to also get a bit serious for a while i mean you know this is also a very serious you know subject and we you know we just lost uh, the 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 co-founder of, of the podcast. So, you know, I know he wants to keep it really fun and light and, and upbeat, but the reality, like, and like, you know, this, it, my, me as a guest, you know, this wasn't the most fun, light, upbeat, you know, interview, but guess what? You know, it happened. This is what happens. So that's, that's okay too. And I'm sure the listeners don't mind that because it, you know, it is what it is. So let's tell a joke. No, I like I like Dopey to be honest first. You know, Dopey's gonna be has to be honest, right. and then it should be fun. You know, and it's like 
But sometimes Agreed. it can't be fun. And that's all I'm trying to say, and that's no. okay. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but I'm doing my best to keep Dopey fun, and and I and I appreciate uh, everything everybody else is trying to do, like be it send in voicemails or send in stuff, and send in more stuff, like send in little bits. To make Dopey fun. You know, <laughs> Dave I, wants it to be fun. I really want it to be fun. It's like, what the fuck is Why don't is you play point? a kazoo? I'm not going to play a kazoo. You play a kazoo. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you think that'll be fun? I think that'd be really fun. I think that'll be annoying. <laughs> um, I have, um, I want to play a couple voicemails before we go. And um, that'll be it. I guess we're done. But uh, Lynn, I love you. I love you too. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for listening. And thank you for having me. You had fun? Um, did you have fun I on think the show? I, I think I should say that I had fun because you really want... Did you have fun on the show? I had fun. I'm feeling heavy-hearted, and I'm actually feeling really grateful that I got to share our story because um, I think it's important. And, you know, so thank you. Thank you for giving me that, that, that opportunity. What about the praying mantis story? What's your take on the praying mantises? I think that you... Forgot praying mantis eggs in our attic, <laughs> and they hatched, and we have praying mantises everywhere. When's the last time you Is that saw? What, are they praying mantis or praying mantises? They're mantises. Mantises. Praying mantises. I haven't seen one in, in quite a bit. But how I, long has it been? I think it's supposedly they're like you know very rare, and we happen to in our house we happen to find like twelve. I think that's and Dave's like, oh no, they're coming from the yard. The most? No, they're not. They're coming from the attic. But that's not what happened. You sent me the text. Tell that story. That's a funny story. What, that I found a praying mantis in the house? Yeah. That's the whole story. And then what did I text you? You said you thought it come, came from the garden. No, and then you sent another one, and I said, uh-oh. Oh, he wrote, uh-oh. And I said, what do you mean, uh-oh? And he goes, well, I think I forgot some praying mantis eggs up in the attic. I told the story. What? I told the story on Dopey. This is one of the most annoying things is that when it's like I told the story... On the last episode of Dopey that Chris was on. Yeah. And Chris was so high, he didn't understand the story. And it was such a good story. Right. And he, like, thought I was, he, like, got it confused with locusts. Locusts, right. And it was, did you listen to that episode? Yeah. And, like, Chris was so out of it. And it was like, I had. Maybe he just thought it was a boring story. He didn't. (laughs) Anybody, everybody loves the Prank Mantis story. Okay. Literally. Uh, I don't. You loved it, too. Ugh. Remember later that day you went to see the people, uh, Nora's uh, friends, yes, parents, and you yes. told the story, and they loved the story? But then I, the f- I don't care if other people like it. It was They're, they're creepy. Well, we haven't seen any, and our house is uh, full of crickets. Now we have crickets. I don't mind cr- crickets. I can handle, but pregnant. You can't handle crickets. You can't handle spiders, and you really can't handle uh, bees. Okay, You're, that's fine. Anyway. Just the idea of, the, of, of eggs hatching in the attic is just... But anyway, the point is that, like, after I told the story on the show, I had these pictures. I had the pictures you sent me of praying mantises. Then I, like, took the picture of the praying mantis egg. Did you put a dopey logo over its eyes? No, but a listener did that. You didn't see that listener picture? The listener picture had a picture of me and Chris, but they replaced Chris with a giant praying mantis and put the dopey logo. It's in Dopey Nation. That's funny. But then. I when Chris before Chris had died, I had like four pictures that I was going to put on Instagram of like the praying mantis that it says warning do not leave eggs in house because oh, they might hatch and like and then Chris dies and I'm like I want to post it anyway but I, I never did right so rest in peace Chris we love you yes definitely um, 
I miss you. And um, I'll play a voicemail before we go. This is Luce, Lucy. I think Lucy or Luce, but that's not her real name. And it's a uh, you know female voicemail. This is a very woman heavy uh, episode of Dopey. So um, I'm gonna close it with that. Uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. And uh, we say toodles for Chris. And you toodles. S- you say toodles for Chris. Yes. Right. Toodles for Chris. And here's uh, Luce. Hey, Dopey Nation. Um, it's Lucy from San Francisco. Uh, these are the first words I've spoken today, so sorry if my voice is a little uh, nasty. Um, so I've been a long time Dopey listener since episode one um and you know I've emailed Dave a little bit about how fucking devastated I am over Chris it's you know it's fucking shocking and like so many people I've heard over this tragedy it it feels like I've lost someone super fucking close to me um it's made me realize I haven't had a lot of experience with death. But anyway, um, I love you. Dopey. Dopey Nation. Dave. Chris. Um, I want to hit you with a little bit of Dopey today. It's like secondhand, firsthand Dopey. Um, it's mainly involving an ex-boyfriend from when I first moved to the city. Uh, so... I was getting kicked out of the place I was living, and I happened to meet this guy, a friend of a friend. The first warning sign should have been when I went over to his house, and um, he was, like, living in a living room of a place, but, like, had these, like, sort of cardboard walls set up around a space, like, barely bigger than a bed, and then you would sort of, like move one of the cardboard walls to like get in to the room and it was just fucking Florida cardboard ceiling clutter with I mean I don't even know like there'd be like ice cream cartons and like a million pens and art supplies and fucking like trippy toy type things I don't know. It was a mess. Um, And he would, like, clear off a little corner of his bed to, like, curl up at night. But (laughs) he was a really cool guy. (laughs) Really smart, charismatic, um, which kind of made up for the fact that he didn't have all of his teeth. Um, I don't know. I was 22 at the time. This is my first brush with love. (laughs) So. He was an ex-Mormon from Utah who had moved to San Francisco to go to an intensive rehab um, for heroin. So when I met him, I think he was supposedly maybe three years clean from heroin. Um, Anyway, we end up dating for two years, and it's good. It's pretty good. (laughs) I think it's what I'll call my first love. So I'm going to tell you about the decline, though. Um, Maybe a year, year and a half into our relationship, I find out that my ex-heroin addict, 100-pound dream boy, 
that. I know that's not a good term, tweaker. Excuse me. Uh, he's an Ivy Beth user and has been the whole time I've known him. Um, and for, I think, pretty much since he was straight out of him getting out of rehab. So, um, you know, my mom's in the program, and I remember her saying, she loved him, she met him, but I remember her saying, you know, it, it is odd that he's not, he's not in the program or anything. You know, he drank a little bit. He didn't really like to drink, but he smoked, and he wasn't, he wasn't working a program, and, and I just, I remember her kind of giving a little warning at the beginning, but, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He's charismatic as ever. He's funny, dude. Um, so anyway, this story takes place at the end. Uh, the last summer we were dating, I, I called it like the farewell tour. <sighs> I would go off to work and he would be in my room all day, I guess, fucking shooting drugs. But I was naive enough not to think that was what was happening. And I have roommates too, like it's San Francisco. So it's fucking expensive. So I guess he would just like stay in my room all day so as not to bother anyone. But um, I would come home and he'd be there. And, you know, things were getting a little long in the tooth. I was kind of turning a blind eye to the fact that I knew he was using. I don't know what that's called. Chris would know the clinical term for that. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so... Eventually, it was just, eventually he was, like, moving. He was moving back to Utah. So I'm like, okay, sweet, this is it. My feelings are kind of dried up at this point. Um, So I remember he rents this big black truck, and he loads all of his shit into it. Like I was saying, it was a lot of shit. A lot of random, pointless shit. And he's going to drive it out to Utah, which he does, but then in some weird tweaker version of reality, he has to return this rental truck to San Francisco. So he turns right back around um, once he gets to Utah and comes back to quote-unquote return the car and then, I don't know, fly back to Utah. And His plans were always a little odd and I think his parents were footing the bill for a lot of this shit so you know he could live in his fantasies a little bit um (laughs) so he comes back and he calls me and he's like hey let's let's you know let's do it again let's say goodbye I'm like oh fuck all right well the kid has a flight scheduled out of here so okay this is you know this is it so he picks me up and we go get some food. He gets a burger that he doesn't touch at all. Um, and then we go over to Baker Beach, and it's just fucking lasting forever. And I'm like, okay, like let, let's get on with it. I've said goodbye to you 50 fucking times this summer. Like, I'm, let's do it. When Let's go. Um, I don't remember how I end up actually getting away from that situation that particular time. But basically what ensues is a 72-hour stock fest um, wherein this big black truck is just haunting the hell out of me. It's circling my block. It's parked outside. Um, I come home, and there's, like, this crazy, like, tweaker booby trap 
set up around my house. Like there's like a trash can half leaning on my back sliding glass door and like boxes like stacked up like as if he's trying to get on the roof. And you, I don't know, there was like a bowl of water or something outside the front gate. Just like weird, like just nonsense. Just a bunch of fucking nonsense. Um, so shit's starting to get weird. And I'm seeing, I, I remember I leave to go to work one day. Um, and I have to walk to the bus. So I'm walking like two blocks to the bus and he fucking pulls up beside me and is like, hey, you want to ride? And I'm just getting so fucking freaked out at this point. Like, I don't think that he's dangerous, but it, shit's getting weird. I'm telling him, you know, go, go, what's, what's going on? Go home, please. And I've been calling the cops. I mean, this has been lasting like two days where this truck is just not leaving me alone. Um, oh, and then another weird trash can thing. He like, I think this was one of the, one of his uh, pretenses for coming over is that he had this gift for me and I refused to go outside. Um, there's a big commotion and shit. He said, at one point he sends me a picture with a needle in his arm, which he knew would, you know, jar me because I'm pretty needle phobic. And to me that, that was like a call of like, oh shit, he's on heroin. Oh my God, he's going to fucking die. But it was just meth. Um, you know, he's just pulling with my heartstrings on that one. Um, anyway, but they get trash cans. So I go outside and there's this fucking crazy ass like kitchen trash can that's covered in like collage shit shit I just looked at the time and um I see I'm going over anyway long story short I show up to my work one day and there's like a cutoff branch um I worked at a PI office at this time private investigator out in the Castro I was like copy editing um and I show up and on the steps it was a really small office it was just like me the owner and another young chick um I show up on the steps and there's like this cut branch with this like big blossom like blossoming thing and this creepy note that's like all I wanted to do is talk um and like just this weird like hieroglyphic type shit um so he ends up like waiting around on my lunch and I'm pretty freaked out at this point. Like, I've filed police reports and stuff, but they can't really do anything until something happens. It's just beautiful. Um, so my my boss is, like, this huge fucking Italian private investigator dude, and he ends up calling <laughs> my ex. I can't remember if he called him or if he... Or if the ex called me and then he intercepted it, but he ends up giving him a piece of his mind, like, go the fuck home. <laughs> and they get in a verbal fight, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, eventually I hear from, from his parents that he is on a flight home to Utah, and I'm able to rest a little easier. Um, however, that was not the last time I've seen him. He's shown up since out of the blue like a fucking year later but anyway I don't know that's a little dopey for you um stay strong toodles I wanna take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good 
Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road, however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had